Our text this morning is from the book of Ezekiel. We're beginning our, into our third week already, it's hard to believe, of uh, going through the book of Ezekiel. Morning and evening, so I encourage you, if you want to hear the next, chapter 4, come tonight. Or, or if you're, you're uh, geographically challenged, listen in tonight or when you're able to so keep up with this series. Give your attention to the reading of the Word of God beginning in chapter 3 verse 16. And at the end of seven days the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth you shall give them warning from me. If I Say to the wicked, you shall surely die. You give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked way he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and you will have delivered your soul. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out into the valley, and there I will speak with you. And so I rose and went out into the valley, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory that I had seen by the Kebar channel canal and I fell on my face but the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and he spoke with me and said to me go shut yourself within your house and you son of man behold cords will be placed upon you and you shall be bound with them so that you cannot go out among the people and I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you will be mute and unable to reprove them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, He will, he who will hear, let him hear, and he who will refuse to hear, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Heavenly Father, blessed her understanding this reading, our hearing of and the exposition of your holy, infallible, inerrant word. Amen. The watchman had a very important role to fulfill in the time of Ezekiel. In, in every city, which was every ancient city, of any any substance of any size had a wall around it with towers around it in which watchmen were placed in the various directions that threats 
might come from. So Watchman had a critical role to play to see those threats and, and to announce them and to sound the alarm. We still have warning systems. We, we, have, we have smoke detectors, right? Or we should have smoke detectors in our house. And you've had a smoke detector go off, you know, the piercing uh, alarm. And, and uh, as annoying as they can be when they go off uh, with a smoky uh, kitchen or something like that, you're grateful that they're there. And, they, and they, they're important because they, they serve the important function of warning you uh, that something is going wrong. And the military are absolutely critical still uh, for generations. Uh, and you still set guards on the perimeter from an enemy threat. Uh, it's, it's still, as far as I know, uh, in the Uniform Code of Military Justice, a capital offense to fall asleep on your watch, to not report, uh, to not be able to observe the threat that could overrun uh, your position and destroy you. Uh, I uh, always, uh, I, I never had an opportunity to join the Navy as a young man, so, but I didn't, so, but I always liked, and I think the reason I didn't is I watched the old Navy movies, World War II movies, and I, I'd see that warning bell go off and everybody run to their stations and then usually the ship got sunk. I didn't want to get sunk. That looked like the terror. The bravest people I know that did that job. But the threat it, it comes that comes in from all kinds of directions. In in the army, the threat that we had a warning, a shrieking sound, or was chemical threat. You 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 heard this shrieking alarm and you would you would rush to put on your chemical suit because you were tall educated about all kinds of uh, threats like a persistent nerve agent a, a, a drop less than the head of a pin would kill you instantly and so you learned to rapidly put on uh, your suit supposedly to save your life it's necessary it's a simple principle a simple warning um, that is necessary to be made. So Ezekiel's job at the end of seven days after he had, had uh, been given the Spirit, after he been seen the grand vision of God, he was given seven days to rest. I, I really do believe there's a Sabbath principle, even in verse 16, to observe. After seven days, he comes back to the place where the word of the Lord has been given to him. And that, I, I don't think it's wrong to make an application immediately here. Uh, God gives us six days to uh, do our business, to do our recreation, and everything else we want to do. And then he calls us to sit under the word of God. And he is addressed here in verse 17 by uh, this term that is not exclusive to Ezekiel, but is used over 90 times of Ezekiel, son of man. We'll see that term, we see that term in Daniel as well, and we certainly see it in the Gospels as referring to Jesus. And I think it's, uh, I think it is important to note that term and to recognize uh, uh, 
there is a type of Jesus, but it's different. Ezekiel, son of man, I am, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. It is your job, Ezekiel, to warn the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are put into two categories. It's not talking about the Babylonians surrounding them. It's talking about the Jewish community in Babylon and the Jewish community still in Jerusalem awaiting deportation. Your job is to warn Israel. And there are two categories of people in Israel. There are the wicked and there are the righteous. It is our job as ministers of the gospel, as, as teachers of the word of God, as believers to be a witness and to be a watchman in the place that we're called to live. Ezekiel was called to live in exile in Babylon. And he was called to be a witness to his people in that exile and to remind them of what had brought them to that place. As we learned so wonderfully well in Sunday school this morning, Jeff Shooting's Sunday school class, that behind this revelation, this progressive revelation that moving through the time from the time of Moses uh, uh, and all of his record of what he wrote in the first five books, the Holy Spirit uh, had him moved him to write in the first five books of the Bible through this time of the prophets who were raised up to speak the word of God in a particular time in a particular place. Well, it is at the bottom of the whole message of the whole Bible in every place is this division. You are either among the righteous or you are among the wicked. What separates you from being in the category of the righteous is your union with Christ. Now, they didn't know that in the Old Testament. They didn't know that when Ezekiel wrote that. But we know it now. The righteous were those who possessed the righteousness of God through believing the promises of God as had been revealed. The wicked are those who were a member, members of the, of the outward covenant of Israel who still rejected the message. Psalm 14. We, quote, we misquote that Psalm 14 so often about, about atheists. We, and, and it does seem like the atheist confession, you know, the, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But again, that Psalm was written to Israel. 
The wicked, in God's view here, are those members of the outward covenant who have rejected the word of God, who have stubbornly refused to believe in the God of the scripture, in his word, and have not listened. There are all kinds of fools in the visible church. They live practically like there is no God. There is no accountability from him at all. Notice God who speaks through Ezekiel, verse 18. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you, Ezekiel, if you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, then that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand if you give him no warning. Ezekiel, if you give him no warning to tell him the truth of the consequences of sin, his, you will be held accountable. On the other hand, if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness and he dies, you will have delivered your soul. You see, you see the principle? I'm not, Ezekiel's not responsible for the change of heart for the wicked or the righteous. Note, note it's also the righteous person. Verse 20, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. And because you have not warned him, again, Ezekiel, you're, you're responsible. His blood is on your hands. But then, then again, verse 20, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, um, uh, rather, verse 21, if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and you will have delivered your soul. The warning is for everyone who hears the word of God. We have before us the Lord's Supper today. The right administration of the Lord's Supper always includes a warning. It always includes a warning to the people of God about self-examination. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, "I What I received from the Lord Jesus himself, I delivered to you. And he goes through the elements of the Lord's Supper. And he says, before you come to this table, be careful. Make sure that you are walking in righteousness. And it's very clear there is a distinct possibility that those who are in union with Christ might willfully walk in disobedience. And if you do not engage in this self-examination, 
and you go ahead and you partake of the Lord's Supper without having done this, then there are temporal consequences. This reason many of you are weak, many are sick, and some of you died. And we're all going to die. That's a fact. Just a matter of when. But this idea that there are no consequences in the New Testament anymore is wrong. Spiritual self-examination is essential. It is the watchman's job to sound the alarm. If he doesn't sound the alarm, if he doesn't make plain the warning, then it's on him. If he is faithful to present the message and to tell the truth of the spiritual consequences of rebellion against God, then he has done his job. It's very interesting to me that the Apostle Paul uses the language he does not only in 1 Corinthians 11, but to the Ephesians church in Acts chapter 20, where he uses the words of Ezekiel here, after he's telling the Ephesians elders and the Ephesian church of his ministry and what he had done. And he makes it clear that I am innocent of any man's blood because I faithfully taught the word of God. If you're not in a place, if you're visiting here, and I'm so we're so glad you're here. Jay, Jay was joking with you about uh, you providentially wandered to the right place. I don't. He's not joking. He's telling the truth. We're not the only church. We know that. And we, we're grateful for other faithful churches who are faithful to, to teach the gospel. But there are many churches that aren't churches. They're entertainment centers. They're places where you're not going to hear any clear uh, understanding of sin and its consequences. And grace as the only answer to our sin. And faith in Christ alone is the only way of salvation. If you're not hearing that regularly, wherever you are, whether you're from out, out of town or visiting from somewhere else here locally, if you're not hearing that on a regular basis from your pulpit, find another church. Because it's no longer a church. Righteous, when a righteous person hears the word of God, he wants to change. And if a righteous person, and, and I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the righteous person is a person here who is united in, in faith to Christ to come, living will be delivered. I am. We're warning of danger. We do that instinctively, don't we? Especially to our children. We see our children toddling, especially toddlers, they're toddling along and they're leaning forward. We're just mortified that they're gonna fall. And we we we, we warn them, don't don't run around around the pool or wherever they're they're uh, in danger. Be careful. That that is instinctive. And that is what we are called to do. And someone who has an infirmity as well. I read a story as I was 
preparing for this of George Whitfield. I, I wish I could tell stories like George Whitfield. I mean, he, he had such a way with words. He could say a, a word and people would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit if you read his biography. Uh, I commend it to you. But he was in the, um, he's one of the great uh, founders of, of the Methodist movement. <coughs> But he was also uh, reformed in his theology, but he had such an impact on the, on the churches and the founding of this country. And, and um, just an incredible eloquence and incredible uh, delivery. And uh, one time he was, he was talking about warning people of their spiritual danger. And he told the story of a blind man who is walking along and he is about to, to uh, step over a chasm and nobody is warning him. He's, he's about to walk off a cliff. And he, he's uh, he, he drug out the illustration. He's walking off the cliff and he's about to step out and, and someone in the congregation yelled out, he's gone. Because he wasn't warned. The warning would have saved his life if it had been given. And the person who doesn't give it is responsible for his death. We must mourn the righteous and the wicked alike of spiritual danger. The message to both the righteous and the wicked here is that some people refuse to, to listen. Some will ignore the warning and they will not change. And as a consequence, they die. I, I think it's a stretch to say, to say from the text to say they die eternally, especially for the righteous. I don't believe the righteous would be described as righteous. But I do believe the application for the righteous is there are consequences for rebellion in a believer's life. That's why we're constantly engaging in self-examination to see if we're asking the Lord constantly, is there any hurtful or wrong way within me? Search me and know me, Lord, to see if that's the case. And then in verse 22, we're brought back to the reason he is to be a watchman and the reason that he is to give the alarm. And the reason is, again, the glory of God. You know, he had been in Tel Aviv in, in um, Babylon. That's what a beautiful name, Tel Aviv. It's the name of the second largest city in the modern state of Israel. And it's... It, Going through Ezekiel reminded me that they named it, that city in modern-day Israel after the city uh, that uh, Ezekiel is located in Babylon. It's a beautiful name. It means um, loosely translated Spring Hill, or you know, it's, it's the grain that comes out in the spring. Tell is hill, and Aviv is the grain that comes out first in the spring. 
And this tell means it's up on a mountain, it's up on a hill. God takes Ezekiel down to the valley from the hill. And the point should not be missed. He sees the same vision of the glory of God here. The point of the warning, the point of the message, the point of the whole book, the whole Bible, is first and foremost, the glory of God. Your salvation, the salvation of all who believe. And the damnation of all who don't believe is all about the same thing. The glory of God. He takes him into the valley and he speaks with him there just as he spoke with him on the mountain, on the hill. The same glory that he had seen previously, he sees now. The reason for everything that occurs in this world is the glory of God. The message is you cannot go anywhere apart from the presence of God and apart from the glory of God. And again, Ezekiel's reaction is the same reaction he had at the first vision. He falls down on his face. It's the same reaction as Daniel when he sees the glory of God. It's the same reaction as John the apostle when he sees the glory of God. He falls on his face. To apprehend the glory of God is to understand your sinfulness and your unworthiness. And the fact that you have no right at all to approach Him because of your sin and rebellion against Him. But His hand reaches down and shows His grace. And he doesn't leave us in the dust on our face. He picks us up and he lifts us up. And he equips us for ministry. To apprehend the glory of God is to see and understand who Jesus is. He is the son of, he is the true son of man. He is the true son of God. He reigns in the throne of heaven. Since to see him as Ezekiel saw him, as Isaiah before him saw him, high and exalted, lifted up the train of his robe, filling the temple of heaven. And the only right response to who he is is to fall down and worship. And the message to the wicked and the righteous is the same. You will worship him. You will worship him. Whether you're wicked or righteous, you will worship him forever. The Bible couldn't be clearer than Philippians chapter 2. At his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is God to the glory of God the Father. 
question each of you should be asking is do I do that now? Because if you don't do it now, you will do it forever. And you will either do it in his presence, to his glory, because you have turned to put your faith and trust in him and nothing else, or you will do it excluded from his presence forever. Because not only are there temporal consequences here behind this, now we have the full revelation of God that we, we see the eternal consequences. And then, last, I want to talk about the restrictions. You know, here, here Ezekiel's given this grand responsibility in the midst of very painful circumstances of the exile in Babylon. The spirit enters into him. We, we have here a picture of, of, of how the Holy Spirit operates in our heart. You know, it, the, the question we're discussing in the adult Sunday school class, the extent of the spirit's work is the same Holy Spirit here doing the same work here. Uh, the, to, for me, when I read the Bible, it's, it's the question of extent and degree. Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh now. The Spirit enters him and sets him on his feet. You would think he would go out and all of Israel would go preach to all Israel and they're all going to repent. And, you're, and this is and there's going to be a glorious revival. What does he say? No. Go shut yourself in the house. Honestly, when I read this, I thought about the last two years. In spite of the fact that we've been we we were shut up in our houses, God's presence is there. God's presence is with his people where they are. Not only, not only that, tie yourself up. I'm going to tie you up. You're going to be tied up. You're going to, not only are you going to be shut up in your house, you're going to be tied up with cords. I'm going to tie you up with ropes so that you can go out there and preach to the people. You're going to be limited. God so often gives his leaders a handicap in order to prove his power. Like the Apostle Paul, I've given you, he gave me a thorn in the flesh to keep all those grand visions of God that I saw the glory of God from exalting me. And why my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Go shut yourself up, is he? Not only that, I'm going to give you a speech impediment. Your tongue is going to cling to the roof of your mouth. You're going to be mute. You're going to be unable to speak this truth. And again, as a judgment, for they are a rebellious house. But when I do speak, here it is, verse 27, note it carefully. When I speak, when God speaks, 
When I speak, I will open your mouth. The responsibility of the ministry of the gospel is enormous. You know, every, I feel it tremendously. Every time I'm up here, I know Jay, I know um, everyone who is an ordained minister, we have several here today, feels it when you stand to speak for God. We need to be careful when we speak to speak what God says, and not what we think or feel or want. I was driving back from Dallas last Sunday and heard Jay's wonderful exposition of chapter 3 and convicted how often I want to tailor the message and craft the message to make it more palatable. God makes it clear to Ezekiel and he makes it clear by extension to every minister of the gospel. When God speaks, we must say what God says. Because it's the devil's work to make things up. That's always been his strategy from the beginning, to make things up, to say that God didn't say what he said plainly and clearly. To twist God's word, to rip it out of its context and misapply it. That is the devil's work. It is rampant among us uh, in the visible church. I, I used to be in circles where it was common for people to walk up to you and say, Hey brother, I have a word, word for you. Some of you have been in these circles probably. I've learned long since that if you don't have a chapter and verse of one of the 66 inscripturated books of the Bible close at hand with your word for me, then you don't have a word for me. And neither does any minister of the gospel or you. Again, to be in a place where you hear the Bible read and faithfully expounded. Is absolutely essential. When I open your mouth, Ezekiel, you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And you are to speak what he says. And they either will hear or they will refuse to. The Gospels are full of the Lord Jesus using this expression for, from Ezekiel, some variation of it. Luke 8 comes to mind immediately, the parable of the sower, which he taught why some people believed and some people turned away and taught that the, the, the uh, sower or the farmer goes out and sows his seed and there's different kinds of ground. There's, there's I don't know, you, have, you can turn to Luke 8 to get the exact order, but there's uh, rocky ground. There are apparently people, uh, and the sower, the sower is the, the minister of the word. Jesus gives us the interpretation of the, of the parable. Uh, you sow the word and falls on different types of soil. It either falls on the hard path and the birds snatch it away or falls in the, it never has any root at all. And that's Satan taking the word away from people. It falls on the rocky soil and it, it comes up for a while and then a heat wave comes like we're having right now and it burns it right up. 
or that it falls on good soil and it bears fruit many times over. And he, and he told that story to tell the reaction of the people of Israel to his ministry right in the context of them rejecting him. And he quotes, uh, he paraphrases Ezekiel. Well, he says it right because <laughs> Jesus is the one who gave Ezekiel the words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the point of the parable is it is God who provides the conditions of fruitfulness in the life of his people. The watchman can only warn. He does not have the resources to wake all the people up if they refuse to wake up. If they refuse to hear, the watchman can only tell the truth of what is coming. He can only ring the bell or sound the alarm as loudly as he can. The right response depends utterly and completely upon the Spirit of God at work and responsive hearts that have been operated on by the Holy Spirit. I would ask in closing, are you in rebellion against God? If you are, repent. Turn from rebellion. Surrender to the King. And I say this not to just people who never made a profession of faith. I say it to every one of us. Whether you're among the righteous of Israel or whether you are among the wicked who are out just simply out on a profession of faith, some maybe even hypocritical profession. Don't stay there. Run into the arms of Jesus, who loves to welcome returning sinners, who plans a party in heaven. Every time one returns. Let's pray. Father, may we hear this morning cry. May we not turn away from it. Take our rebellious hearts, melt them, and give us hearts of flesh that desire to keep your commandments, not out of duty or self-righteousness, but out of love for you and for your people. We ask for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel that we heard with